Hi, this is Queer Margins Series 1, Old Queens. And I'm Rhys T. Matthews. Queer Margins talks to those in the LGBTQ community who are rarely heard from. And this series, I'll be talking to older queer people to hear their experiences on growing up gay, the first time they met another queer person, living as queer in previous generations, and what it's like to be older in our community today. And this is Maggie. No exaggeration, although it does sound a bit melodramatic to say that I wouldn't have committed suicide had I been discovered to be gay when I was a teenager. That's how awful it was. Maggie has lived the majority of her life in the closet. When she was in her early 20s, she married a man and lived in Swansea in South Wales. She told me that every day was torture for her because she knew she was with the wrong person and living in the wrong place. She gave birth to two children but says the best day of her life was when her husband walked out on her. That's when her new life began and she hasn't looked back since. A few years after that, she packed up, sold her house in Wales for a loss and moved to London. She's in her 60s now and is living as an out gay woman and she's happy. Maggie's loosened what she calls her knot of shame around being gay in recent years, but she's faced more homophobia as an older woman as she's found herself thrown back into the company of old homophobic people, her shitty demographic, as she calls it. So Maggie was the first interview I did of this series, um, and unfortunately had to meet in quite a busy coffee shop in central London. So there is a little bit of background noise. Um, it does kind of drop off after the first couple of minutes. When you listen to Maggie talk, you can tell she was born in the wrong generation and that she suffered for it. So here she is. All I knew was that I was a pervert. That's exactly how I was made to feel, and that I was unnatural. So at 16, that's pretty grim. Yeah. And I seriously thought, there's something wrong with me. I had to think back, that's exactly how my mind worked. There's something wrong with me. And I thought I was the only one in the world. And um, I joined the RAF at 17. And first, my first posting after doing my basic training, uh, within a few, four or five days, I saw two girls in the evening being frog-marched, literally frog-marched out of the accommodation with about six military police taken to a taxi and they were taken to the train station and I found out afterwards that they were dishonorably discharged being lesbians. And the shame was so... And I was ashamed. I was deeply ashamed. I mean, I talk about this knot of shame here in my stomach. Um, and I, it's no exaggeration, although it does sound a bit melodramatic to say that I wouldn't have committed suicide had I been discovered to be gay when I was a teenager. That's how awful it was. It's hard to it's hard to explain in now in this world what it was like. Yeah. Because today it's so different. When I was a teenager, there was nothing. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Well, the first example that you saw of, of it, lesbians were them being punished with things. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and gay people were despised. Yeah. I mean, they were really despised. They were hated. They were genuinely seen as perverts. Um, and I never thought it was going to change. You know, I never did. Um, so, but at the age of so seventeen, I joined the Aria, and I got uh, and I started dating. And I'm one hundred percent lesbian. I have zero attraction to men. So you can imagine what it was like having to date boys. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine no, doing that. No, exactly. But that, and not just me, I was the only, we all did it. And I read somewhere that 90% of gay women from my demographic, my age rather, either had a long term relationship with a man or married a man. 
that's what you did. Um, so I got married at nine. So I got married at nine. Dated, got married at nineteen. And I never looked for boyfriends. They were all set up for me by other women. By like peers. Or yeah, by the peers. Or yeah, of course. You know, I just wanted to sink into the background, and not be noticed. But okay. people did notice that I wasn't dating. And do you think that they were pushing you, and without that pushing, yeah. just being single? And yeah, maybe I, yes, maybe I could have just quietly sat in the background, but I think I'd only done that for a while, because once you'd have gotten to my mid-twenties, people would have started asking questions, and I always admire women at my age who never got married, but the, the unifying factor for people who had a better time than me is that they moved to London when they were young, and I didn't, I was living in Swans, well, no, I was living in rural Cambridgeshire, because that's where I was posted, and that's when I got set up with this Welshman and ended up marrying him and I genuinely thought at young age 19 that if I got married to a man it would make me normal and I hoped it would I yeah. genuinely hoped that I could be norm- normal and I do mean the word normal because I did the lab normal but of course it didn't work so no. I stuck in a marriage had kids and I was 23 years I was married to a man and it wasn't just the sex, it was the fact that every waking moment was with a man. I was, you know, in living in a house with a man, going on a holiday with a man. Were there any points where you, and I know this sounds like flippant, but, and I don't mean that you felt like you might be straight, but did you forget that you were, like, gay, or at least no. forget that you were in a relationship with a man, and he was just somebody that you... No, I never forgot, I no. never, ever. The whole, the whole, every minute of every day of that marriage was absolute misery for me. So my, I have two children, but one goes to university at 18, the other one is 16. He's about to go to yeah, two years, he's going to university. And the thought of having to be married to that man and be living with that man was just too much for me. And it was now 1995, the end of 1995, I said, I, seen, I saw the kiss on Brookside. And, and people, as, I think Peter Tatchell was out, or Ian McKellen maybe, and Bowie, of course, right. the bisexual thing is starting to becoming a little bit acceptable and it's... Um, you know, people are high profile people are bisexual, and it was just becoming a, a little bit easier. And partly that I was in the depths of misery being married, so I thought I, this can't go on. So I ended my marriage in December '95, and he walked out, and I saw him at home. And that day, the day he walked out was the happiest day of my life. Oh, wow, it still is. Yeah. And I've had two children, and I've given birth to two children. It doesn't surpass that day. And it to me, it was like coming out of prison after being in prison for 23 years in solitary confinement because you're in a closet on your own. I mean, and you know, if you're yeah. in the closet, nobody else is in that closet with you. And that's why it was so... Because I knew my life was going to change and I was going to finally live my life the way I wanted to. Um, and how... And did you tell him at the time? No, I've never Why? told him. I think he's recently found out. No, because I didn't want him to blame my sexuality on the failure of the marriage. But in January 96, I came out to my best friend, straight woman. She was fine with it. You know, it's like as if I told her I'd been shopping in Tesco. So she, didn't care. she was great. She was a psychiatric nurse, so I think she knew how to handle the news, maybe. But she was fine. And then, and I'm working as a nurse because I... I qualified in September three, and I another reason I waited. I needed a career, and um, I didn't want to have my children have to survive on handouts or me claim benefits. I wanted a career. So three months after qualifying as a nurse, that's another reason why I ended the marriage because I knew I could stand on my own two feet. Um, 
yeah, so I came out and gradually um, told the, the old colleague, you know, like, you know what it's like to tell one or two people. And I, this was in Swansea, in a hospital. They did tell colleagues and then the homophobia started. But that wasn't going to push me back in the, back in the closet. The first thing I did was tell my boss, my sister, because one thing I've learned and I decided that I would always tell my superior that okay. I was gay. Why did you? I just felt that if they knew and anything happened, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a shock. And you know, and it, and, it, and not that I could gay from telling them whether they were going to be supportive or not. Yeah. And I remember okay. telling uh, my ward sister that, I, and she was supportive, and it was good because um, one of my uh, nursing colleagues said, that, "Be careful when you're around." She told the other girl, "Sister, be careful when you're around Maggie. Keep your knees together." Yeah, and you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I, you're like this, but uh, I have never, ever made a pass at a straight woman. No. And I never would. But my colleagues, my nursing colleagues, have made passes at me. They used to make passes at me. And the last, despite my great age, a straight woman made a pass at me a month ago. Right. So that, that wouldn't have happened, This all what she was saying behind my back. Yeah. But one, like, kind, a kind colleague said, or oh, she's saying this behind your back. So I told my, told the sister... And uh, she got reported. She was taken to HR. Okay. Yeah, and they handled it great. Yeah. So it was so good, and she yeah. got, and it went on her record. Wow. And who? And two years later, who has an affair with another woman? Oh. Her. Oh, She's wow. a married married woman with a kid. And yet, she, yeah. And, and I wasn't surprised. Do you think so? In that respect, when you were in the closet and you were married, did you feel? Did you maybe have some homophobia towards? No. no. One thing I, I'm proudly, I can proudly pat myself out on the back. In all those years I was closeted, because I know closeted gay people can be homophobic. Mm-hmm. I was never homophobic. I never made a single remark or a derogatory remark or anything. And I'm quite proud of that. Yeah. And, if, you know, in fact, the opposite was true. I would stick up for gay yeah. people. Just to go back to your um, ex-husband briefly, did you, do you think he knew that you were gay? Yeah. It must, have, it must have taken quite a... I mean, I, I've never been in that situation, but it must have taken quite like a, quite a person to yeah. never be yeah. aware of that. Or were you just very good at I was good at keeping right. it secret. I, mean, I used to like watching porn, and he'd want, he want me to sit there and watch porn with him. Um, so I did. Um, cause I, and I used to look away when it was a penis or something, you know. But when... And sometimes you'd see the old lesbian thing, I was glued to it. And I used to go, oh, God, this is amazing. This is fantastic. But I hid it. Right. He didn't know, mm-hmm. and I never said all that. That said, I never had. I just hid it. I just kept it. That was my little. I was enjoying it. But I, that was my secret. But that's how good you become. Mm-hmm. You know, you do when you're. My generation did become very good at hiding. It. I suppose people also didn't expect many people to be gay as well. No, so, no, that's true. A, yeah, yeah. Hardly, nobody was gay in those days, apart from pop stars. You know, right. Ian McKellen, and you know. And that's that's an exotic and a novelty, and uh, you know, yeah. our blessing. But he's, well, he's an actor; it's okay. But uh, well, and not only that, portrayal of gay people on television was always one of ridicule. Um, it, Mr. Uh, the, oh, there's the thing that's set in the shop. John In Ingham. Are you being served? Are you being served? I mean, the gay character is a figure of fun. You know, mm. uh, it, that's what it was like. Larry Grayson, figure yeah. of fun, to be laughed at, not laughed with. My demographic is homophobic. It is. Old, yeah. uh, old white British people. 
when I was young, the people that told me I was a pervert to be young, and I'm now old, and these same people, yeah. the ones I grew up with, they're still homophobic, and it's that, and it, with my demographic, and I will always be in a demographic that is homophobic. So, a few, back in, uh, I can't remember, August, September, U3A published a quarterly magazine. There are 400,000 members in the UK. Most of them, not all of them, most of them get this magazine. And I'm reading it, and I think there's never been anything, this is last year's, and there's never been anything remotely even alluding to anything LGBT. So I emailed the editor, and I said, oh, have you ever put anything LGBT in? He said, oh, we did put an article about Brighton a few years ago. <laughs> Just a general area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. Okay. Um, okay, right. Now, at this point, because a year ago I joined Opening Doors, and... I think it was in September I became an ambassador. So this is October, November. And I'm thinking, okay. I was reading back and forth a few emails. And I said, look, I'm, I'm an ambassador for an LGBT charity. It's only in London. But would you mind putting something in the paper, in the magazine? And he was he was lovely. He, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, so he, we, between us, we wrote an article. So I gave him my email because I wanted people to contact me within London. Yeah. Um, not for any particular reason. I hadn't got any plan, and I didn't want them to write to the magazine because they wouldn't do that. Yeah. So I was quite happy to put my email up, and I also put my photo up there. It's on my Twitter account. It's my pinned tweet, that article. So the article comes out, and I did. I thought for a week about what I was doing because I knew I was putting my head above the parapet, and I was going to out myself to four hundred thousand people of my Ooh. demographic who are overwhelmingly homophobic. Yeah. But I didn't care. I just. ODL has given me a backbone, and I'm so grateful to them for that. And uh, but I so I this and I thought, all right, okay, yeah, I'm, yes, go ahead, do it. And I wasn't sure what the article would be, whether it'd be tucked in at the back page or a little article. But it was uh, like the third page, and it was half a page. It was A4 magazine. Well, that unleashed a torrent of homophobia. No surprise no. there. Um, personal emails sent to me. One chap said. Um, why are you pushing the LGBT brigade? You know the usual. Wow. Club, yeah, but what? Uh, I just I, I just wrote back and said um, I'm not justifying myself to the likes of you. Don't email me again. I had a couple that like that. Um, but what saddened me were the emails, the sorty emails from all over the UK. Every part of the UK, bar Northern Ireland, wrote to me and said how lonely and isolated these people are here. Personally, from my own UPA, I heard uh, recently in the last year that I am disgusting, that I have a disease, uh, and that I'm not natural. I'm unnatural. But isn't that an awful state of affairs that you have to tell a 60 or a 70-year-old or an 80-year-old how to behave mm. to your fellow human being yeah. that they have to be. I thought people chilled out when they. You think? What well, yeah. you think? But it's my demographic. Uh, so, how was it being in Swansea? Because I feel like that adds an extra layer to it, things. Swansea was very homophobic, yeah. extremely homophobic. It was the culture down there, and like it was colleagues and. Um, uh, and it, um, in one, it was, I worked briefly before coming to London in Prince Philip Hospital in Clenethley, and I did live in Clenethley. I was desperate to move out of Wales, uh, but that's another story. And uh, the local paper in Clenethley printed a, a letter about a week or so before I moved from a man who said all gay people should be hung. 
and that not only was that, that's bad enough, but the fact that the, the paper printed it, you know. And like I used to go to lunch with a colleague. Now I was the staff nurse, and I was when I was particularly in Penetri, I was often in charge of the ward. So I'd go to some with for coffee breaks with uh, somebody who was say a care assistant or a junior to me, and they'd sit there and, and one woman said to me, "What you do is not natural." I said, well, it is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very natural. Yeah, yeah, it's the most natural <laughs> thing in the world. You know, and I have to justify myself to, to, and to they people. And we're fine with doing it Absolutely. straight to face as well. Yeah, is, yeah straight yeah. face to face. Yeah, they felt perfectly comfortable in being homophobic to my face because that was the culture back in the 90s. And so what, was there one instance where you thought that's enough I have to get out of Wales or no it's just accumulative mm-hmm. you know it's all all these microaggressions and yeah. but actually in a way there was because I in 96 I managed to find a little gay group of women lesbians in Swansea yeah. believe it or not I think I can't remember how I found them because I was online I you know I was I remember being online in 1995 that's when I first went on the internet and I can't remember which where whether it was it might have been Diva magazine because that just came out I used to I used to drive two hundred miles to get Diva magazine. I used to drive to London to get it. You couldn't buy it in Wales. And was it once a month? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's how I discovered this little cache of um, lesbians in Swansea. So I engaged with the lesbian community, and it was lovely. And I had my first affair with a you know back in ninety six with a woman. But and I, two of my friends who were living in Llanethia, a couple, they were both been married at men, and they became a couple. And they were chased down the street one day by a gang of boys. Uh, they, they barricaded themselves in a phone box. Um, and another time, another gay couple of friends of mine had um, dog feces pushed through their letterbox. So I thought, it's not safe. And that was in the 90s. 96, well. 97, maybe, no. It seems so recent. It, seems like... it's, it does seem recent. It's yeah. 8, 20 years ago. Mm. Which isn't that long it's ago. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. And I also think, uh, I don't think Wales is unique. This is why London is in a bubble. You know, if you were in London growing up, I wish I'd come to London when I was young, but I didn't. There you are. Um, and, I, and at the same time, I was desperately trying to move out of Wales. I owned my own house. And um, I was looking at Bristol. I couldn't afford anything in Bristol. I didn't care where I went. I just wanted to get into England. Yeah, and I grew up in Oxford, so I knew, you know, I just wanted to get into England. I just thought, well, maybe England would be less homophobic. But I had a school reunion as well um, in 2001, maybe, 2002. I met an old school friend who just happened to live in London. And she needed a flatmate. She was buying her own house. Well, she owned it. She'd been buying, had a mortgage for years. But she was an actress. Mm-hmm. So she had an unstable income. Right. Now, I'm a nurse, so I've got a rock-solid income <laughs> and a rock-solid job, and she lives five minutes from a major teaching hospital. Wow. So I thought, okay, this is meant to be. So I did think about it for a while, and we both thought about it, and we got, we got on. We were friends in school, mm-hmm. and we got on. She's straight, completely straight. She knew you were gay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I moved in with her. I sold my house. I lost money because it was days of negative, negative equity. I actually had to give the mortgage people £9,000. So I had to get a bank loan. So I went into debt. And, but somebody said to me, it's worth it. Worth it, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so in 2000... The amount of commitment that that must have taken, oh, yeah. somebody. Well, that's how desperate I was. Yeah. So in 2002, I moved to London. Second best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. It, my life went from black and white. It's a corny cliche, and it went to technicolor. 
I never got any more homophobia. It just ended. Right. Completely ended. And in Diva magazine, I heard about an organisation called Wim Wim, which was started by two trans women. And I even knew about it back in Swansea. Right. Because Wimbledon's close to... She, my friend lived in Putney, uh, um, and in Tooting. Right. So Wimbledon's five minutes away. And there were 400 women in this organisation. Right. I think it's gone now. And it was great. It was wonderful. And I made lots of friends, and it was, it was wonderful. And I'm out in work, and I never hear anything homophobic. And, uh, uh, and it's great until I retire in 2012. And of course, they're now re engage with my demographic, my wonderful demographic, mm-hmm. you know, the old white British brigade. And then, yeah, so. Um, when you moved to London, what was. So when you first moved to the sale market, when did you. When was the first time you engaged them with other... Straight like, away. Like, yeah. first week? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it must have been the first week because I knew about this Wim Wim group, mm-hmm. Wimbledon Women, Yeah. back in Swansea. Um, and they used to meet in a pub in, in Wimbledon. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was the, yeah, it must have been the first... I'd say the first month. I wasn't going to waste any time. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not... I was too old for the clubs. I was 42 right. when I moved to London. So far too old to go clubbing and it's not my thing anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I just, it was just great. So I had all those years. And have you ever been clubbing? Like, not in the gay like, scene, right, no. Okay. I've always been too old. Okay. I missed that boat. Mm-hmm. So I've only ever engaged in going to the pub and, and days out and mm-hmm. walking, you know, out with them and out ambles and that yeah. kind of thing, you okay. know. It's like a meetup group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I saw, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and when you turned up to the group, were you nervous? Was it always no. just. Not at all. Yeah. No, it was like coming home, you know. But I, I, I was forty-two when I first met another gay person, you know. I mean, obviously I'd met them when they were in the closet, and I was in the closet. I didn't know they were gay, but I know openly gay person. I was forty-two, you know. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like yeah. walking into and it's not, then like the doors opening. Yeah. And that's oh yeah, it's wonderful. It's well, it was in Swansea when I met. met discovered yeah. that small group and there were about 30 or 40 in that group so it was a nice okay. group it was a, yeah it was and it was for Swansea um, yeah and I was pleasantly surprised because we find each other I think when you're in a, a homophobic society you yeah. find out because I've read about um, the Muslim community in London finding you know there is quite a thriving LGBT Muslim group and oh, thank goodness for that because I, I do feel for them but they do find each other and they engage and you know and of course you've got meet up now and all mm-hmm. these great And it's strange how I always think how like even if you're in a relationship, you still want to be around Yeah, of course I well I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think everybody yeah. everybody does that. Do. Yeah, because well you know what it's like when you're in the straight world. Yeah. I think it's obviously it's in London, but you're still the odd one out yeah. and they all know and you know you um, but it's nice to be with people where you can completely relax and you know you're not going to be judged on anything because pe- uh, I'm having it all the time with my U3A since I came out to them six months ago or more than that now no, six months um, and I've lost friendships in U3A because um, people I used to go regularly for coffee with are now too busy to have coffee with me but on the other hand it feels like about 80% of U3A or my demographic is homophobic but there is about 20% of people who, who are absolutely wonderful my age white British who are fantastic and completely accepting of me and, and supportive 
and have gone out of their way to speak to me and you know and that's great and thank god for that that little 20 percent because the I, I'm always having microaggressions of homophobia all the time. The last one was Monday. Today is what Wednesday. Um, we have a monthly meeting. We have a speaker every month. Uh, U3A. So at the end of the event, I'm putting some tables away. The tables are heavy. It takes two people to put them away, and I'm doing it on my own. And I see somebody out the corner of my eye walking towards me to help, and then she realises it's me, and she literally turned tail and walked away. So that that kind of microaggression has happened a few times. I've been in mid, I've been in started a conversation with somebody, and I, I've started the conversation, and they've literally blanked me and walked away. But um, I have lost a forty-five year friendship. Now, my ex-father-in-law, despite me divorcing his son 23, 23 years ago, whenever it was, um, he, we, he and I always remained friends. Okay. He, he didn't know I was gay, because I knew he was 89, I know he is homophobic, but despite that, I, I always thought he was a lovely man, and he was a better father to me, father-in-law, than the father my own father was, and, he was, and we have the same sense of humour. Okay. I was due to stay with him this month, I was going to go to Swansea and stay with him, uh, I'm visiting an old school, uh, nursing colleague, um, but I, I've only just discovered this. My ex-husband is on Twitter, and he must have seen my found it through my son who's on Twitter. He must have found that pin tweet, and he's gleefully gone running to my father-in-law. I told him my father-in-law, ex-father-in-law, phoned he, my ex-father-in-law. He used to refer to me as his favourite daughter-in-law. He's got three. So he phones me up with his self-righteous indignation and says, I've heard about your private life. And I said, I haven't got a private life. And he said, I never want to speak to you or hear from you ever again. And that's and I met him when I was 19 and I'm now 64. It's a 45-year friendship and it counts for nothing. The fact that we got on counts for nothing because I'm a gay woman and now I'm not worthy. And it... Lasted through a breakdown relationship yes, with his son as with well. That's how well we got on. Well, I couldn't understand it, but if if it had been immediately afterwards and he'd been and he that that I just yeah I know the relationship was over. Yes, and he was yeah, really still, well, and we still got on. We got yeah. on so well, and we regularly phoned each other, and all we do was laugh when we're on the phone. But it's a self-righteous indignation that these people have. This Do you think he'll, he'll come around? No, he's 89. No, no. Yeah. And he's on his high horse about it. You know, he, uh, yeah, he oh, she's, she's a lesbian. Oh, yeah. How long after your marriage ended did you tell your children? That took a bit, that took a year. Well, that's, not, that's quite a short time. Really, yeah, oh, right. yeah, it took me a year to build up the courage because I did have a friend who, whose parents rejected her. She's only in her 20s they found out she was gay. I had heard stories of children rejecting their parents when they'd come out as gay. Yeah. And I didn't think they would reject me, and I didn't honestly know how they would react. Yeah. They're both Welsh, they're both from Swansea, both grew up in Swansea, so I don't know. I didn't think they were homophobic, but yeah, it took me a year to pluck up courage, and they were amazing. They still are. They're still both extremely supportive. And my daughter, was, so she would have been 18, maybe 19, and she said, well, I noticed you have no men in your life so I'm not really surprised and my son being typically Swansea young lad just said oh there's cool <laughs> <laughs> so it's a perfect reaction yeah. and they just didn't care oh, wow okay they still don't care mm-hmm. um, you know it's not important to them um, but one thing my daughter did do she 
she's a teacher, and uh, she showed one of her colleagues um, the, the bit of me being on Channel 4 News. Um, and she thought, that's my mum. But her colleague started to cry, and it turns out that her aunt had just died, and she thinks her aunt was a closeted lesbian. And yeah, she said, oh my, and because what I, I was talking about what it was like as a young woman, and she said, and it must have just touched a nerve that her poor aunt had never come out. And it just upset her to, to realise what she'd gone through, yeah. probably. You know? Wow, that's unbelievable. I yeah. mean, it's just so. to have that. To live with that forever, I think. Yeah. Never... yeah. Yeah. But I'm in a good place now. Yeah. Because thanks to Opening Doors London, I became an ambassador. And part of, and I do workshops with ever with Jim from ODL, who's the training manager. And he runs workshops, which are run through the council. They're organised through the various boroughs. And therefore, health and social care professionals, and we tell them about how the older LGBTQ community differs from the straight community. Right. Because we have more mental health problems, we're more likely to be alone, we're more likely not to have children or a supportive family, and we have higher alcohol issues and drug issues and all the rest of it. So we teach them about it. Right. And part of my role is to stand at the front and talk about my life. And this is, this is hard for me because I have never talked publicly about my sexuality until the until joining Opening Doors. So I talk to a room full of people. They're all predominantly straight and they're complete strangers and I'm opening my heart to them. But what I've benefited from this, I mean, they have too because it's, a pow- it's powerful to hear a story from an older old LGBT person. But I've benefited because that knot of shame, which I've had for 50 years, has gone it's completely gone and I don't have a problem I wear a badge I wear a rainbow badge on my back I wear a rainbow bracelet and I don't care anymore um, and if people are homophobic then that's their problem so your family were your parents well my mum died when I was young she died um, three days after my 18th birthday so she never knew obviously at that age and my father died uh, I think 2000 but we, we weren't close you know he was a typical man of his era um, I don't think he even knew he had four kids. I would say maybe he vaguely did. Um, but he never engaged with us. He wasn't interested in us, so I never told him because he, I don't know if he would have been homophobic or not. He, didn't, I, he wouldn't have cared. I don't think he cared. And I, I once not didn't write, I, I was always writing to him as a young woman, even in my 30s, 40s, uh, write to him, phone him. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to phone you for a while. Let's see how long it takes you to phone me. It took him two years. Yeah, so that's how engaged he is. And I'm one of four, and he, he just wasn't interested. He's not interested. He doesn't care. He's, he's got a, he, found, he found somebody a few years after my mum died, and he married her, and that's all he cared about, yeah. Wow. So I, we were, yeah. And your brothers and sisters, well, did I have, you have any family? Yeah, I know. I, I've got two brothers. One lives in Oxford, one lives in Leicester. I haven't spoken to them in years. They might even be dead, because they're older than me. I don't know. I know they're both homophobic. One's very religious, and I just don't. I don't care. I couldn't care less. Yeah. I have a twin sister who's gay, but she lives in France. Right. Yeah. And um, but she's we're we're polar opposites. She's she likes gardening. Fine. She just likes growing vegetables. I'm the exact opposite. I'm a very much a people person. I, I'm engaged with politics. I like to know what's going on in the world. Um, and she's a very domesticated. She's married to her, to her, her wife now. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, they are married. They've been together for years, 23 years, I think. 
and we both came out to each other at the age of 43 on the phone. You know, she told me, and I could hear she was nervous, didn't know, neither of us knew we were gay. I said, oh, I'm in a relationship with a woman. I said, oh, I'm gay, I'm gay too. <laughs> and that's how we came out to each other. And did you have no inkling that she no, was gay? No, none at all, absolutely none. And she didn't know anything about that, about me. But she, again, see, she didn't realise she was attracted to women at all. She just met this woman. Although they met at a gay bar, so she must have had some idea. Right. But I have asked her about this. And um, where it's like you were 15, mm-hmm. I was attracted to women. Um, and do you think it's brought you closer? No, funny no. enough. No, despite being twins, despite being both gay, we're, we're not that... We don't have anything in common. And here, partner... Sorry, wife. Um... You got like you spent time with. No, I, I did originally a few years ago, but I don't bother now. We did. We just WhatsApp each other now and again, just make sure we're both still alive. <laughs> Out of sense of duty, I think. Yeah. You know, I thought, well, she is my sister. And are you in a relationship now? No, because for two reasons. I, well, the main reason is I've gone through the menopause, so I'm not interested. Um, but the other thing is, I love being single. Yeah. I really love it. And when in those 15 years when I was um, sexually active, I, I, I prefer casual relationships. I'm not, I don't buy into this coupled thing. Yeah. And we live in a world where we are expected to be coupled. And I've never been interested. I mean, I've had... They are casual relationships that have lasted months or a year, but they were still very romantic relationships, and they were proper relationships, and we'd go out, and it wasn't just sex, it mm-hmm. we'd go out, we'd enjoy each other's company, we'd go to the cinema, go for meals, so they proper relationships, yeah. but I never wanted to live with anyone, I didn't want to, you know, it wasn't because I'm not frightened of commitment, no, it's no, not no. it. I like casual relationships, yeah. I always have done. And you're also very extremely busy. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get five minutes to myself. It's, it's. Yeah, it. I mean, I, I like, like I said, I like photography. I love history. I love art museums, and and I haven't got time to do that anymore. You know, but, but I, in on the one hand, I am enjoying this. You know, and I, and this is, uh, um, I want to start an elders network because of all these emails I got from these people. Uh, within the U3A who were so lonely and they were heartbreaking they were really sad emails and they were isolated and they still email me say is there anybody in my area so I, that's led me to think right I'm going to come out of the U3 forget U3A come out and start a network for older for older LGBT people um, outside of U3A so um, I've been in talks I've already had talks with the CEO of Camden Age UK, uh, Open Doors London, the director, yeah. and uh, my local forum, and they're all supporting me. So I called it the Elders Network. I like the word elders because it implies wisdom. Nice. <laughs> and in brackets, LGBTQ. Right. Because these people are so lonely, and yeah. now, like I said, you know, they're prepared to drive hundreds of miles just to spend two hours with other people. Yeah. You know. Um, so I want to get that off the ground. Yeah. I'm still getting emails saying, like I said, is anybody in my oh, area? Yeah. I have managed to get little groups going in Edinburgh, Nottingham. People have wow. met to have coffee uh, somewhere else. Can't remember where else. Um, so I've got three little groups. And you're, you're you're setting up these groups remotely from London and yes. together. Yeah, people are telling me where they live, and then I, uh, with their permission, I, I give them each other's emails, and then that's that, that's them. They, I leave it up to them, and they're getting together. 
and that some of them are so proactive, you know, you know, they're really keen to, there's a wonderful lady in Edinburgh, you know, really on board with it, just found another lady who's in Edinburgh, so they can meet, have coffee, and then put something in their local cafe or in their local yeah. library, say, we meet in this cafe, you know, and I, I'm lucky, and I know I'm lucky, because I've been in that situation. And, oh, Do you think being older and lesbian that you have got a sense of activism. Yeah, and anger. Yeah. Right, yeah. It, it stems from anger and resentment from having to be in that bloody closet for two, two and a half decades um, because, of, because of society. And I thought, so I'm at a stage now, I think, well, I never swear, but I am going to swear. I think, fuck you, society. I'm going to do something now. I'm going to get my own back and I'm going to do something that you won't like. Like you 3A, they didn't like me standing up and saying I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think, well, so cute. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I, so it's came from a place of anger and resentment, which I don't have anymore, but it is what's driving me. You know, to think that, you know, these poor people, I know what they're going through and you shouldn't end your life in the closet. No. You've spent 50 years in the closet. And you had to really make a decision yeah. not to do that in somewhere where you already feel safe. Yeah. So put people outside. Oh, yeah. It's, and they don't have to come out the closet. No. They can still be in the closet. Um, but at least they, they can meet friends. other people who yeah. are like them. Mm. And, yeah, and I'm sure some of them have probably never met other gay people. Do you think if you hadn't have got married, that your sort of career in... Oh, I would have had a career in the area. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I do, yeah. So I regret getting married, but it did. It did end my career. Do you, do you think you would have experienced more homophobia, homophobia in that kind of? Probably, yeah. But I would have been in the closet. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I wouldn't have been because people would have suspected that by the time I was in my late twenties, oh, she's not married. Mm. What's wrong with her? And it, that would have that would have been the conversation without a shadow of a doubt. And I wasn't. I had no backbone when I was a young. You know, like you said, I was so deeply ashamed of it. I couldn't have coped. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have coped. I would have just killed myself. Because right. I was that's how ashamed I was of being gay. And it's such a short time from then, even to now. Yeah. And it's been a complete turnaround. Yeah. It's, I, it's astonishing when I think how different my life is. I didn't think I could be like this. When I think about what I was like as a young woman, I would never have envisioned that in the future I would have been this. I'm not quite shouty banner waving rainbow flag person I, I think I'm I do it in a quiet way because um, yeah I'm not and I just wouldn't have seen it I just would never have believed that I could be this person that I am now do you think you're a completely different person now? Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah I'm stronger I'm better I'm more con- I'm happier and more content now than I've ever been in my entire life that's amazing yeah yeah, you think motherhood is a fulfilling thing, which it is. Um, but when you're not true to yourself, it's it's you know, it's nothing, nothing like being true to yourself. You know, you have because you're not a, you're not a full person. You're not living life as you should be when you're living it in secret and you're pretending to be something you're not. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah, and I don't do that anymore. I don't have to. Which would, would you have chosen to be born later? Yes, and, uh, yes. I've spoken to some people who said, I know, regardless of that. Yeah, some people are quite happy to have been born in the old days. Some people have never had a problem being gay. I wish I'd been born 20 years later. I really do, because I missed out on so much. And I ended up being married 
you know, imagine well, you've got, how awful it is to be married to somebody, mm. you know, a member of the opposite sex, when you're only attracted to the same sex. It was, or it was, it was horrible. Mm. I hated it. Like I said, I hated every minute of that marriage. Yeah, yeah too right. I'd love to be born mm. even twenty years later. But is that something you'd say to, to young gay people today? Nobody ever regrets coming out of the closet. Nobody does. Mm. Um, and I just think you're, you're only young once. Don't waste it. Don't waste time exploring. Or maybe I do like boys. Or you know, if you're a boy, maybe I do like girls. You know, you've got to be honest with yourself. You know, and just just go for it. And, yeah, but you know, you know what it's like. You know, you only you corn it. You only live once. You know, you yeah. get one life, and it's true. You know, don't waste it. You could be yeah. knocked down by a bus tomorrow as a young person. You know, you don't know what's in front of you. Don't waste it pretending to be straight or doing what society wants, expects of you. You know, sod society. I've gone through a hell, and it was hell, and a shitty time. But in a way, it's been worth it. I really loved talking to Maggie and I loved hanging out with her. Like I said in the introduction, she was the first person I interviewed for the series and she was so warm and open. It was a pleasure to meet her. After the interview, we hugged and said goodbye. We keep in touch mainly through Twitter and WhatsApp. After the interview, she tagged me in a tweet saying that our conversation had given her a new perspective on her life. I'm really glad that Maggie's living as an out gay woman now. And from talking to her, she really has got a new lease of life since she came out and moved to London. I really loved hanging out with her and the way she spoke was so passionate and it was a fantastic way to start a series of interviews for this podcast. If you head over to the Instagram page and you can see a couple of photos of Maggie from when she was younger and that is at Queer Margins. So thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. Thanks. Goodbye.